Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Can you change your life by changing your habits? We've all got habits, I guess, that we want to change, whether it's unhealthy eating or drinking or maybe, I don't know, touching your face seven or 8,000 times a day, too much time online, excess worry. You get the idea. Well, my guest on today's show is teacher and author Hugh Byrne, and he's going to help us understand how mindfulness is a key to changing habits and how we can release unhealthy behaviors and develop more beneficial ones. Are you ready to meet him? Hugh Byrne, PhD, is a senior teacher with the Insight Meditation Community of Washington. He's been teaching mindfulness meditation since 2000. He's the lead meditation teacher in Garrison Institute's program to strengthen the resilience of aid workers who support Syria and other refugees in the Middle East and beyond. He was the author of two books on mindfulness and habit change, including his new book, Habit Swap, Mindful Skills to Change Habits for Good. Find out more about Hugh and his work at hugh-burn.com. Hugh, welcome to Out of the Fog. It's really a pleasure to be with you, Karen. Looking forward to our conversation. Oh, thank you. Me too. Let's just start out by maybe getting your definition of a habit. What does that mean to you? Great question to begin with. Um, A habit for me is any behavior, and I include in behaviors, our thinking processes as well. So I'm not just talking about eating, drinking. We can do it with anxious thoughts, etc. Any behavior that is repeated often enough can become habitual. So Think of a good habit like what we'd call a good habit, putting on a seatbelt when we get in a car. Um, You know, as a driver or a passenger, we, at first, it's very intentional. You know, perhaps our parents say, oh, don't forget to put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on. We're not starting until you put your seatbelt on. And after a while, what happens is the brain, our brain actually switches from intentional mode into Um, habitual mode. That means it becomes, the behavior becomes automatic and unconscious. So it's a part of the brain that that is a more ancient part of the brain. The older part of the brain takes over. It's a way really that our brains have um, managed over the millennia to save energy. If everything we did, we had to keep learning, how do I do this again? How do I walk again? How do I ride a bicycle again? The brain wants to say, okay, I know this. Once I get on that bicycle, I start pedaling, you know, and, and even if we haven't done it for years and years, um, we, we, uh, we can do it. You know, typically we can do it. And that's because um, it's become automatic and unconscious. It's been taken over, as it were, by that part of the brain that deals with automatic, unconscious activity as opposed to intentional activity. And that goes for both 
healthy habits and unhealthy habits. So those are the words. I prefer to good and bad because good and bad tends to have a connotation of you're a bad person if you do this. And I don't think that's very helpful. So I tend to use unwanted, unhelpful, you know, not, not, not serving your well-being. You know, and then you can make your own judgment on it. It's not a judgment that someone else imposes on you or the society imposes. It's like, okay, this isn't working for me. I don't want to keep eating every time I feel anxious. I don't want to feel, you know, start touching my face, as you say, every time I feel anxious. So any behavior that's, that's repeated often enough can become a habit. And so, that you know, an obvious question comes from it, and you may be ready to ask it, like, how long does it take, <laughs> you know? And, you know, often people say, oh, 21 days, and that's not really true. It's kind of a myth. It's anything, you know, they did research studies on habit change in relation to various healthy kind of activities, and they found it varied between 18 and 254 days to change a health-related habit. That's a huge range, isn't it? It you is in 250. Yeah, 254. That's a really long time. I was hoping for more like a second. Yeah. You were you are you were hoping like it could just happen immediately. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't we like that. See the problem is that um you know, even though we might intend to a certain behavior, I don't want to keep um eating ice cream in the evening because I'm feeling lonely or sad or whatever. That habit may have developed. And we, we, we don't like it. We kind of, we're getting, putting on weight. It's not, you know, it doesn't feel like, we feel like we're leaning into it too much. It doesn't feel like something we really want to do. But what happens when our intentions come into conflict with our habits, the habits tend to win out. Probably all of us have had the experience at one time or another of, you know, setting a New Year's resolution. And quite often, you know, they find studies of New Year's resolutions. People typically, you know, maybe half of the people, maybe somewhat more, manage it through, through a month. But it's a much smaller percentage managed to establish the new behavior as a habit six months later. And the reason for that is you've got these two brain processes. One's the more ancient one. You know, it's linked to fight or flight. You know, that kind of, you know, something threatens us and we go into that defending mode, running, fighting. It's that part of the brain that's responsible for those immediate kind of activities, something coming towards us, we jump out of the way. Habits are really, it's that part of the brain that's involved in, in uh, operations, activating habits, whereas intentions are, you know, that part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the kind of just behind the forehead, which is a much more recent part of the brain. And that's, you know, as we know, it's much more thoughtful, it's slower. You know, think of, think of a situation where you're walking through the woods and you don't know, you haven't been there before, and there's this kind of curly thing up ahead. What does, your, what does your body and your mind immediately do? You know, you, you, you kind of tense up, you defend yourself in case, because it looks kind of like a snake. But then you do a certain amount of vigilance. You kind of, you know, what would I do if it were to attack me and it's a rattlesnake or something? And you do that vigilance and then you look more closely and you say, oh, no, it's a... It's a um, 
a root of a tree that's growing up that kind of has a, sh a snake form. And so you see what goes first is that defended mode. If we didn't have that, if we were more like la-di-da-di-da, -di -da, walking through the woods, oh, maybe that's a snake, big deal. Our ancestors wouldn't have survived, right? Makes sense? Yes. <laughs> but but if we, you know, so it's important that we have this ability to kind of go, you know, immediately into something. Well, habits are that same way. They're activated by that part of the brain. The guy, professor who wrote the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, which was a New York Times bestseller, Daniel Kahneman, talked about it as system one the kind of more immediate automatic part of the brain. And system two is the more intentional part. And when they come into conflict, typically, not always, but typically system one wins out. And that's why habits are hard to change. And that's why you really need to repeat things often enough. And that's why mindfulness is a key to habit change. One of the things that I like about the about the book is that you talk about meeting habits um, instead of like, ah, I did it again. Oh, that's terrible. I've got to stop that. Meeting yeah. habits with compassion and yeah. with acceptance and, and trying yeah. to be as non-judgmental as possible. What, what are some of the things that are at the roots of the habits, especially the unwanted habits that we form? And how can we be compassionate even why it's so difficult to be compassionate, I think, especially with the ones that we see are habits that, that are hurting us, that are keeping us from living our best life. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, underneath habits, you could say they're kind of, you know, kind of very basic energies. You know, fear can be one of them. Um, fear and worry, you know, in these times, you know, you think about people who are, you know, in very, very difficult situations, maybe they're, you know, they're worried about their own health or they're worried about uh, a loved one's health or they're um, worried about losing their job or that their business will go under. Typically in that situation, fear naturally arises. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? What, got, what? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to pay my mortgage, etc.? You know, so naturally we go into that mode immediately. And when we go into that mo mode, you know, it's very easy to get kind of swept up in it. You know, we, 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 you're thinking, that's all the thing, the thing we're thinking about all the time. It's like, no, what can I do? What can I do? Now, a certain amount of thinking obviously is helpful. You know, we have a problem, you know, that we want to solve. We have a situation we want to deal with. So it makes sense absolutely to think, okay, you know, what can I do about this? Are there other ways that I can earn some money? Can I file an unemployment claim, you know, whatever, a small business loan or grant, you know, those are things that millions of people are actually dealing with right now. But if you get caught up, if you get swept up in that fear, that is in itself a habit. It's probably come from, I mean, it's very, very likely come from previous situations, maybe in your childhood, maybe growing up, where, you know, something threatening came, you, you kind of responded with fear, um, you know, and, and feeling stressed out. And you go, you know, you feel how the body kind of tenses up in those situations. And if you get locked in that as a habit, it's a very, very painful way to live day to day. 
I mean, probably everyone, anyone who's listening to this knows because we've all experienced it, at least from time to time. It's a, it's a, to be stressed and worried and anxious in those, way, those ways is, uh, is difficult, it's painful, it feels like suffering. Um, and so to, to recognize that that's, you know, that's a natural response, we're not doing anything wrong. And to meet our actions, to meet our, our behaviors, you know, we, we're likely to respond with habits. What can I do to soothe myself? What can I do to comfort myself when I'm feeling so stressed out, so worried, so anxious? So the, 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 the miracle, if you like, of mindfulness, that's a term that, you know, that the Vietnamese Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh used the miracle of mindfulness. It's a miracle in the sense, only in the sense that um, something that has become, um, you know, painful and difficult and suffering can change when we bring awareness to it. So if we bring awareness to our fear, rather than being lost in the thoughts, we actually pause, take a breath come inward, feel the tightness in your belly, feel your breath, maybe it's shorter than you know, it normally or in a, when you're feeling well and better, kind of deeper breathing, but it's feeling tight. Okay, notice that. Breathe into it, maybe take a deeper breath or two. And just in, those very, in that very simple way, we can step out of the, of the kind of the anxious, the fearful, the stressed out mode, that habitual mode of responding. And we can come back. And then maybe a minute later or 30 seconds later, we have a thought, oh, but what about if this, this, okay, and we get tight again. And then we come back and we notice again. We come back to our breath. We bring awareness. We bring mindfulness to our present moment experience. And as a process we can begin to untangle ourselves, to really separate ourselves from these habitual behaviors, particularly from that form of thinking that kind of pulls you off. You know, mindfulness helps you to just see the thoughts without believing them. If you like, that's the miracle of mindfulness, that we don't have to believe everything that we think. We can come back begin again and that's the training really of mindfulness to just keep doing it until it's become a habit in itself a habit of mindfulness i love i love what you're saying and i'm thinking as i listen to you that there are especially in a time like this you you see people reacting and responding in one in one of two ways some people can't stop looking at how scary and how negative other people run away from right so there are people who are looking but maybe looking not in a direction that serves them or is in and then there are other people who will absolutely do anything to not look i'm not sure where i fall in this i don't know where i am on that scale but but what I love what you're saying about mindfulness is that it invites us on the breath to come back just to the place of what is, what is now, where I can be aware of what I'm feeling, aware of what I'm doing and all that's required of me, not to fix everything right away or notice everything or do it perfectly. All that's required of me is just to show up and showing up is one of the most difficult and also one of the simplest things to do, I think. I think you've really put it beautifully. I mean, I think it's, we, we often say, I often say it's 
simple but not easy you know it's simple <laughs> in the way that you know it, it it's not complex to say you know just feel what you're feeling right now just really in a in an honest in a in an authentic way feel what you're feeling and if you can feel what you're feeling right now if there's tension in your belly if your chest is tight if your face is hot because you're kind of worried and anxious if your thoughts are kind of spinning just notice just pay attention recognize what's here and allow whatever is here to come and go the feelings in the body notice the emotion if there's fear or anxiety see if you can make space for it see if you can allow yourself to hold these feelings letting them come and go and if you the thoughts if the thoughts kind of try to hijack you I'm, I, I use that I Put it in that way the thoughts don't have a life of their own but they have a they're a kind of habitual behavior that kind of pulls us away they kind of were our thought patterns because we've repeated them often enough say oh but what about this what about this this is gone oh I'm not gonna pay my rent and then it kind of it can create ever worsening scenarios you know the term that's often used is catastrophizing you know turning things into you know the worst case scenario and if we're not present if we get caught up in our thinking then we very easily go to worst case scenarios but if we can be present with this moment with this breath with this feeling with this sensation we can that's all we need to do we don't need to solve tomorrow if I can be present with this moment then I don't need to have the solution to tomorrow but the more I can be with this moment the more space that actually opens up and this is a kind of a miracle of mindfulness the more space tends to open up for creative solutions because when we're in that tight defended place you know what our mind is doing we're in a kind of tunnel vision it's like they use they sometimes use the expression anyone somebody who's got a hammer to someone who's got a hammer everything looks like a nail you know you've got that if, when you're caught up in that fight or flight everything look you know what you focus on is the threat you lose connection with the bigger picture you lose connection with with really with yourself in a deeper way you lose connection very easily with your loved ones and those about you because you're in that fear mode so to be able to step back to step out of it and just say okay I just have to be with I'm just asking myself to be with this moment as it is you might put your hand on your chest on your heart maybe another the other hand on on your belly and just feel feel the breath feel the body breathe into what's here and see if you can see if you can say yes to what's here right now you don't have to say yes to tomorrow or yesterday or next week just this this breath this feeling letting it letting it all come and go and then it's this moment this breath this so just moment to moment being present with our experience and then that, that actually opens the door to much greater freedom much more space in our lives we're less we're less caught up in that you know that that habitual kind of stress response and that's obviously I'm really just because of the time we're in right now I'm saying a lot about that there are many other habits as well but I'm just 
thinking about that habit of mind. There's lots of behaviors that can come out of that habit of what we do to comfort ourselves, eating, drinking, smoking, you know, taking, you know, recreational drugs to kind of soothe ourselves. And those things are all understandable. But we could ask ourselves, is there a better way that I can come back into balance? Is there a better way that I can comfort myself? Could I do it by taking a walk? Could I do it by phoning a loved one, you know, uh, somebody who I can't visit right now, but I can be in contact with over, you know, over Zoom or Skype or over the telephone, you know, and these kind of things. So we can, we, th there's, there's better choices that we can make and there are less helpful choices. And I think mindfulness is really about being able to make the healthier choices. And, and not because, you know, we're a bad person if we don't, but because it actually serves our well-being. It, it helps us to live a freer and a happier life. Somebody was saying to me the other day that they were part of their anxiety right now was that they didn't know what was safe, what was safe to do. How could they find a safe place? Was cleaning it safe? Was having your family around you safe? Was how, where was a safe place? And as I listened to you speaking, Hugh, and as I was reading the book, it kind of occurred to me that the safest place we can really be is in that awareness of who we are, of how we are, of our allowing ourselves just to be present. That's the safest place because where we go off the rails is where we are trying to get ahead of ourselves or behind ourselves or distract ourselves or soothe ourselves. I wonder if being present right now is our safest place. Again, I think, Karen, you've, you've really put it beautifully. I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. I think it is, you know, in, in, uh, in the ancient Buddhist teachings, um, that is the first uh, refuge is, is to take, really is to take, take refuge as a safe place in, in our experience and in our capacity to, to hold this moment, this experience. Um, the, uh, the, uh, spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle uses the expression, what you accept, you go beyond. What you accept, you go beyond. If you can really, if you can really open to even a difficult feeling like worry or fear, then, and you can let it come and go, then the fear and the worry no longer have their hooks in you. You know what I mean? They, you, you're no longer controlled by it. You're, you're seeing it as almost like a, a weather system coming along. It's stormy. You know, it's raining. It comes down hard. But then it moves on. You know, hopefully this virus will, will you know, after some very, very painful times, will itself pass and become something, you know, more regular and more normal and not so highly, you know, threatening to so many people. The one last thing I'd say in, relation, uh, in response to your question is you might have seen that wonderful bumper sticker that, um, that speaks very much to what you're saying. It, it goes, uh, if you lived in your heart, you'd be home right now. If you lived oh. in your heart, you'd be home right now. So that's really, I think, really, exa you know, exactly what you were saying so beautifully, you know, in that place of awareness. If you lived in your heart, you'd be home right now. And that's the invitation, really, of mindfulness and of compassion is to, is to live in our hearts, not in our stories, 
not in our, you know, imaginings, but in this moment, just as it is. Hugh, thank you so much for being on the program, for sharing your thoughts with the listeners and for sharing, I think, some things that we can do right now, breathing into the heart, hand on the heart, hand on the belly, being present with ourselves to help us all maybe shift our energy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. And I I just leave with the words of Sri Nisargadatta. He said, the mind creates the abyss, the the heart crosses it. The mind creates the abyss, the heart crosses it. So just to reflect on that, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Thank you so much, Karen. And I hope what we've shared will be helpful to all who are listening. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. That is Hugh Byrne. His new book is Habit Swap. Take uh, Trade in your unhealthy habits for mindful ones. And you can find out more about Hugh and his work at hugh-byrne.com. That's H-U-G-H hyphen and then B-Y-R-N-E, hugh-byrne.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. Great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. And if you'd like to join us monthly in free guided meditation for peace in our hearts and peace in the world, check out openpeacefulheart.com. And you can get information about those calls are always free and they are open to everyone. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.